Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. Most weeks, not this week, we'll get to that. And I am your host, Matt King, here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. As I often am, I am currently under protest. Sure. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. We celebrate your protestations. What is the cause of this week's? Well, first of all, I'm not wearing headphones. Okay. A, co- a common complaint from the people. Second of all, uh, or I, I like to call them ear goggles. Okay. <laughs> Um, sure. <laughs> there's one BC Boys fan out there that, yeah. that says, like, I know what that is. Anyway. Well, also, I was so expecting cans, which yeah, is the normal right. joke. You're really zagged on me yeah, there. Yeah. Here, so that's number one. Sure. Okay. Number no two, there's, there, there's no Lee. Nope. Well, I mean, Lee is still in the world. He's not ceased to be. Well, we don't know that. I've not confident. developed what psycho- psychologists call Lee permanency yet. <laughs> if a Lee is not on the podcast and he falls down in the forest, yes, does is he there? Question for the ages, my friend. So that's that's what that's a Zen riddle right there sure. for you, right there. Certainly. Uh, I, but and then here's another thing: mm. no questions, no questions, because normally what happens is people send in the questions. Yep. And you type them up, and then you send them out in the email to us, you know, midweek. Sure. And we record the show on Sunday night. The Lord's Day. That's right. And I uh, very hastily try to do something where I look at that, and then there's a little bit of a panic that motivates that, and then there's I'm usually kind of going over it as you're introducing me. Yep. But we don't have that. No. So I'm under protest. It's chaos. Yeah. All right. Well, um, and it keeps updated on the protest. Mm-hmm. We want to know. This is not a normal show. We are not uh, doing the questions this week. This week is a special to celebrate the fact that we now have the Bridge Worship album on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, anywhere you buy Ooh. or stream music. You can now get 22 tracks of worship songs written by Jed, recorded live at the Bridge. Had a lot of folks... Uh, respond very positively to that so far, but for those of you who maybe haven't been to the Bridge or don't listen to the Bridge podcast, which I work very hard on the Bridge podcast, wow, you should people. really listen to it. Yeah, on Mondays, I You're, slave over a hot podcast machine. You are hurting Matt's feelings right, right. now. I spend hmm. upwards of thirty minutes putting together <laughs> some of those Bridge podcasts, but that does come out every Monday and strongly features a lot of the music we're going uh, that's on that album. But if you are not familiar with that, or if you just don't know too much about the bridge. We thought it'd be an opportunity to introduce you to some of the songs, but also uh, while I had the fellows here, we're going to talk about some, some theories, some stories, some fun stuff behind those songs. And so we're going to pick a few out as we go here. And uh, the format is we'll, we'll talk about a song. Well, whether that's the story or the thought behind it or what we want people to take out of that. And then we'll throw and play the whole thing. And uh, we'll do that for a few songs, a little bit of a hit list here. Stop explaining that. I declare an emergency. Is the emergency that you just remembered we were going to do an emergency? That's correct. Now, here's what's happening. Um, it's all askew. It's, you know what it is? It's, 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 it's all happening so fast. That's right. Okay. It's like fame, okay. uh, recognition. Right. Like, this is a big deal. Oh. Wh- which thing is a big deal? Well, that we're on all these uh, music services now. Well, you know, sure, absolutely. Basically, you type our, our name in the internet, kaboom. 
We're on everywhere. Right, okay. yes. Now here's Kaboom is a failed search engine from the Probably 90s. so, yes. Kaboom it. <laughs> Kaboom it. But here's here's what uh here's what I'm looking at. Uh it's it's all happening. Right, yes. Now, uh to me, first of all, uh Matt showed me the artwork okay. on this deal. And um People may not have realized this, but when you look at the artwork on the album that's going up on all these different music searches, uh, services, streaming services online, you you actually my hands are actually pictured on. That's on the true. Album. That's I, true. I actually have played the guitar a few times at the bridge just to amuse myself and also to definitely irritate Jed. Sure, and it worked every time. Now. Um, if I didn't irritate him through playing poorly, I would just intentionally do something sassy and inappropriate. And sure. Yes, yeah, my favorite version of that being uh, Glenn and our friend Pete doing two men playing one bass mm-hmm. and insisting <laughs> on continuing to do this bit as Jed is trying to start the service. That's right. And it was it was great. <laughs> people loved it. Sure. But here's what's... Well, two people anyway. So first of all, um, you know, uh, now I feel like uh, I'm going to get recognized a lot. Sure. Go well, your hands will. Well, I, I'm, and now i got to wear gloves. Right. So there's that. Right. I'm dealing yeah. with that. Probably I'm going to get a lot of calls, a lot of calls to be a hand model. Makes total know. sense. Sure. And so, you know, sort of a, you know, uh, I'm dealing with that pressure. Yet, yet another path in your full transformation into George Costanza. Exactly right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working with that uh, difficulty. A lot of pressure. Uh, but, uh, my understanding is, uh, yeah. they have this, uh, one called Spotify. Right. Yes. And, uh, we're on that. Now, here's what's amazing about that is from my understanding, Spotify is a music streaming service that's designed for dogs. So you can, if your dog wants to <laughs> listen for to spot there. Yeah. You're, you know, cause that's like probably the guy who founded the uh, dog name spot. Sure. Sure. We're going to Spotify this year. So even dogs are going to really be enjoying what we're putting out there. So you feel like you're going to be huge in the dog market? Huge. Okay. Uh, bo- both the hand, it's like a, what you call a, 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 a double threat, you know? Sure, like, right. You, like some people, they're like, they can like sing and yes. dance. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. How they do that. This is like... Hands and dogs. Hands and dogs. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things I really enjoy about this concept, because I think this is genius, I think it's brilliant, one of the other people that's featured prominently on the cover art is our own Pete Lawson. Mm -hmm. Yes. And one of the things about Pete is he really doesn't like dogs, like, at all. Right. And I love the idea that due to this album, we imagine being in very heavy rotation on Spotify, Mm -hmm. uh, that the dogs will be big fans of Pete. So just everywhere he goes, Pete will have dogs that want his autograph or whatever the dog version of that is, you know, and, and I think Pete will really enjoy Ro- that. Roaming packs of wild dogs. <laughs> exactly right. We'll be, we'll be following him. Yeah, that's right. So I, I, so we're dealing with that, but sure. here, here's the question I have is like when we, uh, Matt came to, to me, he said, and we're going to do a podcast. I yep. was like, right on. So we all, we all get in the pod and then they buried underground, you know, right. so, which in a so, weird way ended up being what happened. Yeah. So, uh, and then he's like, no, it's like, you know, it like goes out to wherever. I'm like, okay, so outer space. It's, you, it's like a pod and you sling it out. Sure, yes. It's cast out sure. into the outer space. And then I breathed a heavy sigh and said, sure. And so, uh, uh, you know, it, but... It, what, it slings out in space, but it comes back to their phone. 
That's right. So there's a lot about that was confusing to me. Uh, I I kept asking when's it on, you know. And sure. That, that was a that was confusing. But here's what happened was I said, "All right, what's this deal pay?" Right. You know, what I mean, because that's that's like my main thing. Yeah, let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, I got you know sure. what's where where's the money? On Cash rolls everything around, Glenn. Yeah, that's right. So, it, 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 but Matt said, uh, you know, don't worry, you know. I'll pay you. Yeah, it'll all be there. He, he said, I'll pay you in internet dollars. Ooh. And I'm like, oh, whoa. Is that one of them cryptocurrencies? Well, it, it, exactly. It's the money of the sure. future, Matcoin. Jed. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And uh, it's like Shroot Bucks. Okay. Similar, similar <laughs> scenario. Uh, but it's internet dollars. Okay. So, like, if you're on the internet and you want to have dollars. Yeah, use internet dollars. Boom. Sure. You got internet dollars. Work for Amazon. I'm pretty sure this is going to be like millions and millions of internet dollars are going to come flowing our way. On this I show. think you're right about that. Sure. We might even, from what I hear, we might even get an advance. Whoa. Yeah, it's that level of big deal. This, um, this sounds not unlike the way Spotify actually pitches to artists. <laughs> <laughs> In all sorts of internet dollars, which at some point... Down the road can be exchanged at a rate that will remain, uh, you know, a little bit nebulous for right. real money. Yeah, that's right. Not much of it, so, but so some it, of it. It is very close to Shrootbox. <laughs> it's pretty much yes. It's. I think if you go deep enough into Bitcoin or Spotify, eventually beats are the currency. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is the total crossover with Shrootbox. Yeah. No, I. You know, so um, I'm concerned that that this will change us. Sure. All the success and the money. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, because uh, I'm going to be dog famous. Sure. Yeah. Of well, you're going to be followed everywhere by dogs. That's certainly going to be a change. Okay. So I'm, it's a it's a whole Doctor Doolittle scenario I'm, I'm working with. Are you on the Instagram? Because you could be a dog influencer. I a dog fluencer. A dog fluencer. I think I have an account. Well, there, you're well on your way. You've taken a it's step. It's one of those very, very exclusive accounts that has not posted since 2014. you got to work pretty hard to find it. That's, I'm a master of social media. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I, you know, uh, but uh, how do we keep this from changing us, you know? I feel like it already has. I mean. Okay, so give know, up. Yeah, just give up. Just okay. don't fight it. I mean, you know, you drove here today in a Lambo. Right. And, uh, you know, I celebrate that. I think that's great. Right. Yeah. You know, just to... Maybe wear like a giant fur hat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That, that's uh, it. Kind of feels like what rich people do. That yeah. might send some uh, some conflicting signals in some of the neighborhoods we work in. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably would. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you do is is you know you can't wear heavy fur garments all four seasons. Right. That's just impractical. Right. right? Give it a couple of years in this city. You got to be. You got to be. You got to be sensible. I'm thinking fur Bermuda shorts. For the spring and nice. summer. Wow. Yeah. Nice. A yeah. nice mink board short. That's exactly, a mink board short is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I think I can get behind that, that look, yeah. you yeah. know, because normally you wouldn't wear something like that because people would stare at you. Sure. You know, like, what's, what's the deal with him? But you're dog famous, brother. Are you staring at you? I'm already dog famous, man. I mean, maybe you don't know who I am, but your dog definitely does. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. So... Well, and they, they think, you know, like they smell another dog on me. And they're like, you know, he's just being friendly. I'm like, no, he's not just being friendly. Yeah. I'm being mobbed right now. Exactly right. He's being starstruck is what he's being. That's that's exactly right. It's almost a stalker type situation. Yeah, you get a paw on the dog walk of fame. It's a whole that's, thing, man. That's right. It'll be like yeah. the beginning of a hard day's night, but with hundreds and hundreds of dogs. <laughs> that's right. 
So the word, you know what? But we, you can't let it keep you isolated. No, you know sure. I mean? You got to stay grounded, bro. You got to stay grounded. You got to put yourself out there. And you don't want to sell out. Look, I know you're getting offers right now from Kibble and Bits, right? Alpo, Purina, mm-hmm. but this cannot be say that brought to you by Alpo. Okay, well, I, well, I know okay. your agent's trying to get you on that. Sure, because you're a dog fluencer, but right. I mean, we just can't go that route. You turn on Spotify, boom, that's me right there. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's yeah. they're they're getting down to that. So that's that's the word on the street. Okay, look forward to a day when. Glenn has an Instagram account that's entirely populated by him doing branded content for teas you can have your dog drink to lose weight. (laughs) And on that basis, I declare a very dangerous dog emergency. Okay. That's good. Very dangerous. You put that emergency on the leash. Wow. That's what you did. Okay. Because I I didn't want to bring it up during the emergency because I didn't have it fully formed, but I'm picturing the Twilight episode where Glenn is both dog famous but a hand model, oh. so he's constantly surrounded by dogs that he can't pet <laughs> right. for fear of screwing oh. up his hands. Oh, there you go. That's good. That's it's nice. Real, you know. I if like that it didn't fully come together, but it, it's you put it out there and let us let yeah, us. Yeah, I wanted to. I, I didn't put it in the official segment. It was right, kind of the post credit right. sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, in the in the uh, uh, commentary on the DVD. Yeah. You know, kind of celebrate it. Just I assume that the producers of Black Mirror listen to this show, so. You know, if they're looking for a writing credit, you, sure, you have the idea, but just you know, nice executive producer spot. Yeah, I'll just take that. Uh, yeah. Uh, who who brought the dogs in? <laughs> who? Wow. Who? Who? Well, no, us. seriously, the long-awaited follow-up. <laughs> the long-awaited, far too serious for a novelty song follow-up. Glenn, did you hire a forty-piece orchestra for this joke song? Yes. He has a vision, folks, and we respect that. Now we do, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about songs on Spotify and uh, the Apple Musics and whatnot. You can get those now. Of course, if you want an easier way to get uh, be the first who gets the brand new Bridge music, you can always sign up for BridgeBox, missionusa.com slash BridgeBox. A good helping of the songs we're going to talk about today and they're on that Spotify album were originally available for download to BridgeBox subscribers. Get Ooh. on the cutting edge. missionusa.com slash BridgeBox. Okay, so we're gonna, like I said, we're going to kind of talk through some songs, share some stories behind them, and uh, then we'll play the song for you. I think the place to start would be at the beginning mm. of Jed Brewer writing these songs for the bridge. That would be a song that's called So Here I Am. And uh, Glenn, I believe this was written at your behest. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, we, we should say that I actually met Jed through a, a music thing. Yeah. And uh, your music was kind of how we knew each other. And Jed was cool. Totally. Sure. Uh, this was before, you know, his downfall. But he was cool. He's scruffy, adorable, playing in rock clubs and all that. And that's actually where I met him the first time. And um, uh, he had done, as I had done, uh, the uh, campus ministry praise thing. Yes. Where you play the praise songs that are that everybody knows. And they Good. Yeah, well they're 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 most of them are 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 so horrible it makes you feel a little dead inside. Sure. Yeah. And then the rest are really bad. Yeah. And so uh we had both had that experience and I said, Well look, you know, you know, Jeff, we gotta do a praise and worship thing for this bridge service. It's you know, ex cons, it's gang members, it's uh, guys who've been uh, dealing with addiction. Uh and 
you know, they won't know any of these praise and worship songs anyway. So why not let's just write one? Uh, and Judd's response to that was that uh, he hated all praise and worship music with the blinding white hot fury of a thousand suns. And I said, well, I can see how that would be a deterrent. And yet. And yet, uh, <laughs> you know, let's soldier on. And I, I remember this. Judd said, uh, you would never want to sing the praise and worship song that I would write. And so I was, well, okay, well, just just write it and we'll see how heinous it is. And we'll, maybe we'll tone it down. Who knows? You know, <laughs> maybe we can get it dialed in. I vividly remember this. This is, this is how memorable this moment was. I was at Subway. Were you eating fresh? I was eating eating very fresh. Mm. Thank you for asking. And I was sitting there with a guy who used to work for us a few years ago, a former gang member himself, and, and he and I were at the Subway, and we were preparing for the service that we were going to have later that night. And uh, Jed emailed me the lyrics to the praise and worship song that he uh, wrote, and it just completely blew my mind. I, mean, I was like, "This is this is so freaking much better than I could have hoped for." And uh, and I remember passing the phone uh, across the table uh, to to Mike Gonzalez, who used to work for us, and 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 Mike just giggling with delight at how good this was, and it was immediately like. He has to do that tonight. And so we did. We compelled him to do it uh, that night. And it was, I mean, people just came unglued. They thought it was so amazing. So, uh, you know, in in many respects, I think uh, that song is a good example of thinking outside the box and and really focusing on uh, a, a very authentic, all the way down to its essence, Here's where uh, where I start my relationship with God. That's a really great point. And uh, Jed, what else should we know about? So here I am to kind of contextualize it. Well, I would say two things. You know, one of the things that that I have to to wildly credit Glenn because um, he's the person who who discipled me and and kind of all the stuff that I've written that's praise music it all just comes out of my own walk with the Lord. So. Um, it's all you know being driven by stuff that that I've learned from Glenn, and one of the things that um, I think Glenn made clear to me over a long period of time is just tell the truth. You know, I, I think mm. one of the things that we don't, if you're a person who doesn't resonate with modern praise and worship music, my guess is a big reason why you don't resonate with it is it's not telling the truth of your life. Mm. Um, it may, on some level, some fairly abstract level, be saying things that are in some senses factually true about God, but it's definitely not telling the truth about you. You know, there's, there's something, there's something false about a lot of it. So, um, there was definitely a level of snark in what I, uh, uh, wrote, but in a lot of ways, what I was trying to do is just, is just tell the truth. You know, here's, here's what it is for me and here's what I think it is for other people. And what was interesting about that is when we started playing that at the bridge, that's what people keyed in on. I remember yeah. there's there's a fella um, uh, named we'll call him Charles. Ah, uh, and uh, and Charles had a rough life. He had he had actually, due to a variety of bizarre circumstances, he had grown up in um, another country, one that's really not kind to criminals, and he had spent like 
10 years um, in a lockup. And then they had ejected him from that country as soon as he was released and he was back here. He, he had a rough time. Um, but uh, he, when we started doing that song, he, he grabbed me and he said, that's my life. That, yeah. that song, that's me. That, that is me. That's what that song is. And um, I think, you know, both as a songwriter and as someone who does ministry through music, I think that's actually the the highest praise you can ever ask for. Definitely. Someone would, would hear a song and say, that's me. That's my life. Yeah. Just off that, just as a detail, there's one guy that, uh, uh, again, uh, he was actually still, I suppose, an active gang member that I had worked with for years and years and years i'm talking about a decade plus of uh, working with him i had met him behind bars and you know we'd followed up with him on the streets and he'd gone through so many ups and downs and he was actually he showing at the bridge to say hello and goodbye to me because he was going to go on the run so you just give yourself permission to think about how rough this guy's life is he was there with his lady and that night jed played that song and uh and again, just to, the the weight of the burden of working with this guy for all these years and trying to get him on the on, on the Lord's path. And at one point, I look over and he's pointing at the screen where the words are, and pointing at himself. He's turning to his his lady they had with him and pointing to himself like, "That's me. That's that's what I." He's am. miming out the conversation the exactly. Jedi. And it was it, you know that's an amazing moment right there. It absolutely is, and the story of that song kind of bears that out in the the life it's had since it was written and mm. recorded. In that, as as we're saying, this was written by a guy who at the time, Jed, I think it would be fair to say, was a little burned out on church stuff. I think that's a safe bet. Um, at, to snark slash spite his ministry boss who was trying to make him minister, <laughs> been written for a very specific group of guys. I mean, when we talk about, and we'll talk about this more throughout the episode, the way the music that's created for the bridge is not imagine a kind of theoretical group of people who have had hard times. It is write a song for this person who is in the room, be that at the bridge, be that at, at jail. This is actual people who Jed has had one-on-one conversations with. That's how spec specific some of these songs start out but this one particularly and a lot of these have have ballooned out and connected with people who have i mean outside of jesus kind of nothing in common with either the guy who wrote it or the people who it's for we have our friend glenn kaiser because actually is another version of so here i am already available on spotify this is Mm. our friend glenn kaiser who's a great guy lives in chicago does a lot of fantastic stuff was also in what is uh, largely considered the first christian rock band Right. And was huge. Toured yeah. the world. What they had a video on MTV Two of in them. the 80s when that meant a thing, yeah. Ask and, your parents about the Res Band. Yeah, they were a, they were for real. A band called the Res Band and he still tours, but um you know, he he is a a fantastic kindly old blues musician, white dude, and he wanted to record the song. Loves it, plays it now at his shows. Yeah. We had a friend of ours who actually is no longer in the radio business, but a couple of years ago worked for the big you've heard of iHeartRadio, big conglomerate. Who had a Christian show in California and played the song on it, you know, yeah. so for her suburban California, you know, Christian radio listening audience. And I think it did, does come down to there's something at the core of this that when you have that honesty, that connects in a, in a real big way. So uh, we hope you'll hear that and we'll now take you to So Here I Am. If you were looking for accomplishment, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted failure, so here I am. If you were looking for intelligence, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. 
So that was So Here I Am. The next song uh, I'd like to talk about and get these guys' opinion on is a song called This Is Not a Trade. So we talked about with So Here I Am of making music for a specific audience. I think lyrically this one may have the most hallmarks of that. And that, Glenn, I'd love to maybe get you to explain because you've been doing this work for a long time. And as Jed pointed out, a lot of stuff comes from you. There's a very specific idea at the um, core of this song. And it's it's one, one of the lines in the in the verse of it's not, I do for you, you do for me. That's right. a very Chicago gang kind of yeah. concept. Can you break that mm-hmm. down for us? Well, for sure. I think the thing that, that if you really listen to all of these songs that, that may strike you is that it's not going for feels. Mm-hmm. If, if a, if a line in a song sets you free, you're going to have a whole lot of feelings in that. Yeah. But if I just try and get you to have feelings without doing anything to set you free, 
it sort of lasts for a moment, and then that when it's a little weird. Yeah, it just you know, it's it just becomes maudlin and precious and unctuous and all these just obnoxious things that you don't want. So uh, ultimately, I think the the thing that that we talked about, and, and that, if I recall, was pretty early on yeah, in terms of the early uh, uh, development of, of bridge praise and worship songs, and really what we started doing uh, after so here I am was looking at could we get real ministry content into these songs so that it would have a similar impact of what you would hear in a sermon or mm. whatever have you the idea that you could actually break down lies that people were struggling with and define what is good theology really mm. in this song and uh that felt amazing and sort of like why hadn't anybody else thought of that why weren't other people doing that and in this case uh sort of gang culture street culture is everything's sort of a favor for a favor uh, you know you do for me i do for you you watch my back i watch yours and as we would say at the bridge we're not vilifying that we're not criticizing that we're not saying that's a bad thing but what we are looking at is that that's not how our relationship with God works. Yeah. That that's it, 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 that's how the world works. Is you know, do, do you exchange money for goods and services? This is not a loving relationship here. Uh, uh, but that our relationship with God is a loving relationship, and that it isn't good behavior for for uh, you know blessings and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And and we really at the bridge felt like we had to come at that from fifteen different angles with the preaching to try and break that down. And you'd say it, you'd use five different analogies, and they'd go, "Yeah, yeah," but still, like I have to behave, though, right? You're like, "No, you you don't have to. Your life is better if you do." But you know, he loves you anyway. Okay, but like, no. but I gotta behave though. But you just couldn't. Yeah, you know, I'll be smote if I don't behave, right? <laughs> That's right. But uh, nailing that down in in the song form really took us further theologically, really, than any of the preaching and the analogies and all the other. That's a really cool point, and Jim, maybe you can uh, break that down for us specifically. I think in songwriting in general, but specifically in this song, of as Glenn is pointing out, it's actually as somebody who's tried to preach this at the bridge. There's a certain amount of Gordian knot of sure. the theology here of you don't have to do anything, it's by faith alone, but, you know, you should do better because your life is terrible, we want that for you. I mean, Paul spills a lot of ink on kind of trying to figure this out and then umpteen generations of people with that. So I think someone might assume that in order to deal with that in a song, we would have to get super academic or super... Uh, really get into the minutia. This would have to be a, a Bob Dylan style, 27 verses, sure, really sure. get into it. But And all your songs are meant to be singable, so they're simple sure. in that way. They're not simplistic. But this particular one, you you know, this is you draw it out into a pretty stark analogy, and there's a lot of, it is not this. So how do you try to approach that a complicated thing and then add the complication of people have to be able to sing this and remember it? Well, you know, I think... I should note that I grew up um, when I was little. I, uh, I went to very, very, very old churches. Um, so my dad was a church pastor in the rural South, and these were churches that had been around for 150 years. And um, this was really before modern praise music. And even if it wasn't, these churches were never going to sing modern praise music. Um, you know, so I, I grew up with with all hymns and. Um, 
was only really in high school was when I began to hear any modern praise and worship music anyway. But the thing about hymns, you know, the good ones anyway, is they did an amazing job of taking deep, profound theological concepts and expressing them very succinctly, expressing them very simply, you know, and it's, and it's worth noting, of course, that, you know, of course, Martin Luther wrote songs, uh, and, um, uh, so my dad was a Methodist pastor, pastor, which is John Wesley. And, um, as much as John Wesley was known for his preaching, Methodism was built on the songwriting of Charles Wesley. Um, that was actually the bigger piece of it. Um, and it's also worth noting Charles Wesley was famous for taking bar songs and rewriting the lyrics. Um, he, was, he was taking the pop music of his day. He was making things accessible. But, you know, if you understand something, then you can express it simply. I think if you, if you don't really understand something, you kind of can't express it simply. But there's a related idea, which is if you want to understand something better, then find the simplest way to express it you possibly can. Uh, that's you know, kind of an, an interesting exercise. And when you write lyrics, you, you have to do that. You know, I mean, the, the nature of a pop song is you've got a few lines for a verse and you've got a few lines for a chorus, and, and that's it. So you've got a handful of sentences to, to say something. And I think here's what I've found is that when we're trying to talk about stuff related to the Lord, I think actually oftentimes you can do a better job of expressing it in a handful of sentences than you can over several pages or a 45-minute lecture. Um, I think there's something about that challenge of, you know, you've got about two dozen words to say this in that um, it all works better in in a weird way. You know, I mean, um, yeah. There, there's something about the Christian faith where um, it is meant to be something that, yes, can be endlessly deep, but that um, a child can grasp. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's easy for us to lose sight of that. And I think it's easy for us to get lost in, as you put it, the kind of the academic quality of it. So songwriting is an interesting challenge where we don't want to lose the substance where there is no theological substance to it, because at, at a certain point, that's just a pop song. But, but we do kind of have to express that in very simple ways. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, and Glenn, maybe you can uh, further unpack this for us. I think uh, an important part of that, and maybe something, I don't want to spend an hour picking on modern praise music, praise music because that would be almost too easy. It's a fish in the yeah. real situation. Yeah. It would be fun, though. Uh-huh. But as we're saying, this is music that was specifically meant to do something, so it's meant mm-hmm. to have a ministry element, but it's not meant to, in a self-contained way, explain to someone what salvation through faith alone is. It's meant to right. interact with preaching they're going to hear that night. It's That's meant right. to interact with one-on-one conversations the staff is going to have with them overall. So maybe this would be a good moment to talk about as the guy who founded the Bridge Program. Where do you, how do you view worship music's role in that service? It's a great question. And uh, here's the real uh, unusual answer to that, I think, is that what we focused on with Jed was... was what are the points that we struggle to get across? You know, what are the things we just can't seem to explain and get into people's head and where they'll accept that uh, we all have those areas of our life where we believe something and accept it intellectually, but emotionally it just doesn't resonate with us and we just can't seem to bridge that gap within us. Yeah, from a, from a preaching standpoint, we often talk about um, getting around people's defenses. Yeah. Of they'll hear a phrase, and as you say, even if they acknowledge it, they're going to put up a wall against that sinking in. That's right. Uh, but the thing about music is that the, sort of the repetition of it, and it has a way of just chipping away at those walls, and eventually we we let it in. And a lot of our people at the bridge receive it that way, of mm-hmm. I need to be reminded of mm-hmm. this a lot. So I sing this song to myself to remind myself. 
Uh, and uh, so that's really what we zeroed in on with the songwriting is we just can't find any other way to get this across. We need a, a worship song that just starts to to uh, help us emotionally receive this thing that we intellectually buy into but but struggle to resonate with. That's a great point, and let's take a listen to This Is Not A Trade. This is not a trade We're out to for you and you to for me This is not a trade, and we're t- we were talking about kind of how uh, music fits into the bridge program. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there, and a lot of stuff that's uh, worth talking about, and really speaks to the ministry philosophy, both that informed these songs and that these songs kind of inform back on. So let's move to a song called "The One," mm. and this is a you you've you've heard a couple songs now. This is going to be a song that is different in a lot of ways than those songs, and part of that is kind of where it came in the world of the bridge. And Jay, can you break down for us? So when you first started writing these songs, the ones we've heard so far, so uh, so here I am, this is not a trade, that was a specific audience mm-hmm. that was church in a specific way. It had to yeah. specific up. And in the last four or five years, the bridge audience has actually changed significantly 
And I think the one is a stark, is a really good example of how the songwriting and the worship leading has changed on that. Sure, absolutely. Well, when I, um, when I started leading worship at the bridge, uh, the folks who were attendees, a lot of them were a little bit older than they are today, and they had definitely been in church before. Um, they might have grown up around church stuff. Um, they were currently around church stuff. They, they, they knew church at least a bit, you know, and they, and they knew their Bibles actually pretty well, a lot of them. And, and, and something people may not realize, that's actually something that comes up a lot in uh, doing jail ministry, too, is those yeah. guys have a lot of time to read the Bible. Exactly yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And so given that these were, you know, a lot of these were older guys and they'd all served time, they had, they had been, you know, locked up for years at a, at a clip. They had read that Bible cover to cover. They actually knew it pretty well. They, they had a lot of struggles and they, you know, uh, which they're also clear on. But so there was, to some degree, a common uh, vocabulary that we could work from and, and some common understandings that we could work from. If you fast forward to, to today, and this has been true for a few years, um, the folks that we work with are a little bit younger and they're way less churched. Um, for a large number of people at the bridge, this is the first time they've ever been in or around anything church-related. You know, on a given week at the bridge, we probably have 12 people that are there for the first time, just on any average week. And I would say of those 12, I would say maybe three or four have been around church stuff before, but I think probably the majority have not. Um, the majority, this is all brand new. And so, you know, what's weird is they would run into really two problems when they came to the bridge. The first was... Um, if you've never been to church before, it's just kind of a scary concept because you just have churches for like people that are squared away. And plus there's like a secret password and a handshake and I don't know any of that stuff. And if it's for people who are squared away, I'm kind of a screw up. So they couldn't possibly want me there. So our number one, our first challenge at the bridge with someone new is always just helping them relax. Just convincing them, no, you're in the right place. We love you. We want you here. You're, we're glad that you're here. You're welcome. We just, if you could just relax. If you could just de-stress and just, that's what we want. If you just have fun, that's, that's really primary job. That's what we start with is if you could relax and have fun. That's our goal. But the, the other thing that we get into is if you've been around church stuff, the idea of we're all going to stand up and sing a song together is super weird. No one else does that. I mean, if you grew up not going to church, you don't do that anywhere in life. You might've been to a concert, but that's about dude on stage sings. You sit and listen. You know, you might have been to a dance club. Somebody spins some tunes, you, you dance. But the idea of we will all stand up and clap our hands and sing in unison, that's weird, man. That would be a real weird night at the club. That would be a real weird night at the club. So we're trying to help them relax and enjoy themselves, even as we're about to do something that's important and needs to happen, but that is so foreign and weird and just, what is this? And so the thing that we kind of, you know, we we thought about and we we cogitated on, talked through, and prayed through was musically what what would fit the bill for that? What's something that would point them in the direction of letting their guard down and having some fun and that would kind of overcome that weirdness element where it doesn't it doesn't feel like, you know, I've <laughs> I've gone to some sort of bizarre religious cult. And the thing that we landed on, oddly enough, was kind of a 1950s, 1960s rockabilly, rock and roll, kind of early Rolling Stones kind of thing, because it's just fun and it's energetic. And, and it seemed like a weird idea of, you know, very few of our folks have heard that kind of music before. That's not really the kind of music they listen to. I mean, they, they might know rock, but probably not that so much. But 
you know, let's give it a try. Let's see what happened. And so, you know, we, we put together the song, the one, which is very much in that style. It's meant it's, it's a, it's literally a party song. And we went and played it and that room full of people lost their minds with happiness. So, yeah, Yeah, that's fantastic. And Glenn, maybe you can speak to, um, if you have anything more to say on this, this makeup of the bridge, I think, and I think the one illustrates this, there's also the, uh, the hilarious thing to us that not only is this a, 60s Rolling Stone song that a room full of uh, largely African-American Latino people love almost every week we play it. It's also lyrically just pretty much a Bible story. Right, right, right. And the delivery of that content of taking this thing, not only taking something they're not used to in worship music, we're then adding something they may not be used to in Bible stuff Mm -hmm. and delivering it in this package. And Mm -hmm. what does that say about the bridge and kind of the way we prioritize things? Well, in in this case, uh, you know the the essence of the bridge, as Jed said, this is a, a party song, and we want the bridge to feel like a celebration. You know, there are people who say, you know, we celebrate worship on Sunday morning. You you, you go there, and it's it looks like a funeral, and Jesus has just died. You know, mm-hmm. so um, uh, this, you know, when we had the very first night of the bridge, we said, okay, prodigal son returns. You know, kill the fatted calf. We have a party. Everybody, it's food. It's everything is festive and so on and so forth. That's what this is. When they walk in the door, you made it. You're home. You're back. We celebrate it. And so, having music that reflects that is is the perfect fit for that. And I think uh, I don't know if we're going to get to this song uh, later. Uh, but I think part of the impetus for for You Are the One uh, came out of uh, sort of an accidental discovery that we had. We were in Los Angeles, Judd and right, I were. Right. You know the story yeah. I'm about to tell. And we got invited to um, a Bible study. We were told it was a Bible study. And then asked, you know, could we play, could Judd play some music? And uh, sure, you know, how many guys are at your Bible study? Well, I have like a dozen guys that I deal with, but we have uh, some other Bible studies that are going to come, so that might be maybe a couple dozen. And uh, one of these guys uh, is a member of a biker gang or former member of a biker gang, and he'll he'll invite people if they want to come. And so we're like, yeah, how many is that going to be? You I know? imagine you've ever been invited to something by a, a biker gang member. That's a pretty strong invitation. <laughs> yeah, well, these guys were intense. There's no doubt about that. But this, uh, this, uh, the, the these uh, guys. Uh, w- there was one of the guys had been killed. There was a funeral uh, of one of the bikers, so it sort of just touched them. Like, yeah, maybe we should do this. You we know, we all need to go to church, y'all. Y- yeah, you know, you never know. We could all end up <laughs> dead. So, you know, let's go to check this thing out. So we didn't have any sense of what music would bikers want to listen to. And so Jed concocted sort of a biker praise and worship song, and they lost their minds. I mean, these people just came unglued in this service. It was just, we blew the roof off the dump. And um, sort of as an experiment, just for fun, given how well it worked there, we said, well, let's do this at the bridge. And they, of course, they went just as crazy. But I think part of the reason why that worked so well is, uh, you know, in terms of the return of the prodigal or in terms of this song of, you know, I leave the 99 sheep to go after the one that's gone astray, it's it's illustrating 
a, a point that says, no, you you are the one that God is looking for, and it it um, it has a way of prioritizing the person who's all the way at the bottom. The idea that we had from the very beginning of the bridge is if everything is geared towards the guy who just walked in the door, freaked out and overloaded and overwhelmed, if, if he likes it and if he feels comfortable, everybody else is going to like it all the more and it's going to work even better for everybody else, which is sort of the exact point of the prodigal son story and no church I've ever been in really prior to prioritize it that way. But by Jed doing that with the praise and worship, it just sets the tone for the whole service. Yeah, and uh, I think it's fair to say that this experiment has been a success. Yeah. Because we have had, and you know, we don't condone this kind of thing, but we laugh at it. Uh, the bridge may also be the only worship service in the world where Amazing Grace has been booed off the stage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, it wasn't booed. It was booed because... It wasn't booed because it wasn't good. It was jeered off the stage. It was it was it was requested that it immediately go away and in its place to make room to make room for a a song that we'd already done that there was a Jet original that yes. we'd already done earlier in the service and we want that one again. Yeah, they, they don't know in church you don't a you don't do requests. Yeah, b you do you, here. You, you don't say. <laughs> I like that one. We're just going to do it again now. Yeah. You know, the, in many ways, that night Jed was uh, those folks' personal Spotify. That's right, and they requested the repeat. That's yeah. right. So we had that. That was, and that was a group of gals from a residential drug rehab. And as Glenn pointed out, um, this is people who a are not church, and b, um, it's it's not something we'll fully get on the show. But there are some disparities as far as um, gender and race and all that stuff that lead people to residential drug rehabs or jail and stuff. And if you're a white lady and you got arrested for drug stuff, odds are you were deep in it. Yeah. Um, so that's the folks who are at the bridge. And that's the folks when Jed hit the first few chords from Amazing Grace, they decided, nah. <laughs> we did that one. We also had, and Jed, I, I will insist that this story be shared. I think you're the person to share it. We had a different uh, group of ladies insist on singing the one again. Sure. But this time was not while they were still at the bridge. Sure, yes. Okay, so um, we we drive we drive people home at the end of the night uh, if they've come from a recovery center, and so um, I, as as everybody on our staff, we all help with that. Um, but Matt is our intrepid and fearless transportation captain, so uh, we our attendance varies week to week. So Matt kind of has to um, assign driving based on who's come from which centers. So I'm driving some ladies back to a different recovery center, but it's women's recovery center, and these are ladies who have all been in prison recently um these, these are uh, wonderful sweet people but they've, they've had a rough life every single mm-hmm. one of them and so um and as unchurched as you could possibly get so i'm driving them through a terrible neighborhood back to their recovery center and um one of them uh says hey y'all we should sing a song um and another one says yeah we should and so i say okay well what what song do you want to sing we want to, we want to sing the one I'm like oh okay well do you mean like right? Like I don't have a guitar. Do you mean like just like right? Yeah, right now we want we want to sing the one. <laughs> so I said, okay. And it, you'll hear the song in just a second. But the way it works is kind of the, the melody. You sing a line and it's just guitar for a second, and then you mm-hmm. sing another line and it's guitar for a second, which is a little weird to do uh, if you don't have a guitar. So in this minivan full of very very hard bitten ladies, I go. He threw a 99 party, but he left it for the one. Gin, 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 gin. And here's the thing. They sang along, loved it, clapped right. their hands, yeah. thought, thought it was just right. 
Yeah, that was they, fantastic. They don't know that praise and worship usually stops when the service is over. Yeah, no. I just want it now. Yes. Keep it going. Yes. You know? I thought it was just right. <laughs> Again, if you're wondering why we had the impetus of having to get these songs on an on-demand service. That's right. It's because we, Jed can't drive everyone everywhere. Absolutely. That's right. Some people are in the minivan with Jed, but some people aren't. And they Absolutely. deserve the music as well. <laughs> That's right. So you are going to hear that. And it also is a really cool illustration of kind of what we're talking about as far as the welcome, which we put a lot of emphasis on at the bridge. And Glenn and Jane have had that in there from the beginning and making people uh, feel welcome, feel important. Uh, that's actually a big part of what Jed does kind of in between songs too. And this according to the one, you get a little bit of that at the beginning, so we can do that as well. So we'll take a listen to the one. He threw a 99 party, but he left it for the one. Because he knew it ain't a party if a hundred didn't come. Now I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one he left to find. Yeah, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one he left, the one he lost, the one he left the moment had to find. Yeah, I'm the one. Now y'all sound good, let's get up a notch now. Put those hands together with me. All right, there we go now. He threw a 99 party, but he left it for the one. Because he knew it ain't a party if a hundred didn't come. This time, you're the one. Now you're the one, you're the one, you're the one he left to find. Yeah, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, you're the She's doing amazing. Can y'all put your hands together for my little friend right there who's clapping so good? She is so awesome. All right, here we go now. He threw a 99 party, but he left it for the one. Very nice. Because he knew it ain't a party if a hundred didn't come. There it is. I'm the one. That was the one that is fantastic. And uh, the last song we're going to talk about here is actually a spate of a few of these songs that we uh, we really enjoy this, where people have played in other places. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, Lee plays a couple of these songs with his youth group down there in Tennessee. Our uh, friend Thomas Cox has played a couple of songs from Jed in the uh, the state lockup 
up there in uh in Tennessee, which is all very cool stuff. We've had various um, you know, worship services around the country where people have uh, asked for these. And if you are a worship leader, we we don't have these on like on the website or anything, but uh, we do have chord charts and all that stuff available. So if you want that, and now you can listen to it back and forth. And uh, odds are, if you just uh, if you just insist on it, Jed will just Skype you. Sure. For a certain, if you're a certain level Bridgebox donor, <laughs> there you that go. is a secret Bridgebox perk that we didn't tell Jed about at the time. Bridgebox Premium. <laughs> here Platinum it is. Platinum Select. <laughs> So we're talking about one last song here, and we'll, we'll take you out with this one. So this is a song called God Don't Let Me Quit. There's This one may have uh, just pound for pound the most story behind it. Okay. So Jed, why don't you start us off to talk about the song, then I'll have Glenn kind of talk through the specifics of what it's meant to, to this group and team. But as far as lyrics that have been taken back to, to uh, jail cells and stuff that people scroll down, God Don't Let Me Quit's right up there. So what do you think about it is about this song that you're trying to connect to people? Well, you know, if we go back to where we start with a lot of this, um, this is a song that's about telling the truth. Uh, because the funny thing is, it's the song is a prayer. I mean, we're asking we're asking God for strength, but we're kind of admitting why we need strength. I mean, the, the whole song is about admitting all the wrong directions that I kind of want to go, all, all the ways that I I want to tube out, and I want to take shortcuts, and I want to feel sorry for myself, and. Um, it, that was an easy thing to write because I have all of those struggles. I, I didn't. I didn't have to imagine. Right. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I know this territory. Right. You know. And again, I, I, it's been said that like calls unto like, and I think one of the things that I've discovered from working with men and women in the inner city for a long time now is we've had very different life circumstances, but in our heart of hearts, our struggles are pretty similar. Um, the, the, the struggles we have to, to see ourselves the way God sees us, the, our, our struggles to, to be courageous and, and take bold steps, those, those are pretty similar, actually. And so I think there's an element of, you know, when you take being honest and you couple it with, you know, asking the Lord for help, the, the way that Glenn has put it to me many times is that when you take the real and the ideal— and you put those side by side. Here's here's what I want to believe, and also here's where I'm at today. And we're just going to smash those right together. I think that has a profound impact on people because otherwise, one of two things happens. Either if it's all just here's what I'm struggling with, here's the real, then we leave people hopeless. It's very relatable, but it, it doesn't go anywhere. And if it's all ideal, if it's all this is the kind of life I wish I live, and this kind of place I, the things I wish were true about me, then it starts to become magical thinking because – that doesn't resemble my life. So what are we talking about? There's nothing for me to, to latch on here. So, man, as you said, we, we've had people from, you know, a, a, a wide variety of going through difficult circumstances really take this song. And the thing I think that they, they say about it most often is that this is a song that they will sing to themselves when things get tough. This is a, a song that they use to ground themselves, you know, in the middle of their week when, when things are not going well and they, they know they need the Lord's strength. And, you know, again, you know, from the standpoint of just making music, the idea that you would take a couple of chords and a few words and that that would be something that then becomes a tool in another person's walk with the Lord, that's an amazing thing. That's a great honor for all of us at the bridge. There's no doubt about that. And as you're you're saying, I think, and a lot of these songs, if you listen through the album or just ones we put on the on the show today, which you don't hear as much in kind of modern worship song, is a lot of these are first person songs. Yeah, a lot of Christian kind of stuff here on the radio is second person songs. Is mm-hmm. oh God, you are like this, and then a uh, maybe a description of what God's actually like, and 
maybe just talking about streams. Yeah. And isn't that fun? But that, that first person narrative, as you're saying, and I'm sure that's a risk as a songwriter, and we do it in the preaching as well, too, to point out, say, I feel this way, and I'm telling you this because I'm strongly intimating that you feel this way about things as well. <laughs> right. And let's hope we're all right, because if not... This is something we'll, we'll probably talk about in other episodes. That's when you enter the punch zone. Yep. You don't want to be in yeah, the punch zone. That's right. But, Glenn, as far as uh, the content we do at the bridge, and this includes stuff we do online, but and I think this song is a great example of that, of putting it in that first person, letting people take it, make it their own. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that impact the folks we work with? Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, I think I've been around the praise and worship stuff my whole life. I actually started as a praise and worship guy and then and, – and, Someone said, well, why don't you preach instead? Because it was, you know, not that great, apparently. You know, they, they, they don't say, that's, you know, no one ever asked uh, Jimi Hendrix to preach. You know, they just said, no, keep playing. We don't, you know. So, uh, so well, maybe if you'd stop setting your guitar on fire in church. Well, you know, I thought it would get a reaction. Well, the anyway, headband probably wasn't helping either. That's right. But uh, here's the thing is, um, so I've been around that, and I've I've played many times a song that somebody's written, and people come up afterwards and say, that was a really good song. I like the tune, um, catchy melody. So I've seen all those kinds of reactions and, and, and people who just have a favorite song that they really like that, that touches them in certain ways. But this is a different phenomenon. It's not that it's better or more visceral or what have you. And it's not that they're saying this melody is on a whole nother level or something like that. I read the good melodies, y'all. <laughs> That's right. You know, They're saying this is doing something for me. You know, this has a ministry value, is the way we would put it. Um, and and there's another thing to understand here as well. When when I'm at when I'm singing at the bridge, I can't hear myself sing. And this yeah. is maybe where we have maybe seventy, yeah, sixty, out, yeah. something like that. Uh, so it's not a huge number of people in terms of that. I mean, you know, this, that would be a smaller sized church these sure. days. And I, I can't hear myself sing. So, well, why is that? Uh, you know, well, what part of what Jed is saying is uh, that if you sing this, you'll recognize this is meant for you. That this, this isn't. I, this wasn't written for a certain segment of this audience. Everybody sing this because this is what's going on for you. This is what God wants you to know and to live out, and for you to buy into. So. Um, uh, it, it's sort of an inside-out concept where uh, Jed is not only not performing, but he measures the quality of praise and worship by the volume of of the audience and the number of people. That, and there are times, occasionally, we have white folks who uh, help us out with the food and, and do greeting before the service. And some of them are used to being in church where they hear really great music, and it's sort of meant to be a performance. Sure. You, you can sing if you want, or not. Or not, and maybe you'd ruin it if you did, so why don't you just stand there and appreciate it? And uh, that's by design. That's sure. not accidental. That's what they're going for. And so they're used to just standing in church, staring vacuously into space. I'm just really enjoying if there was an honest moment where one of these worship leaders said, why don't, why don't we all stand and appreciate me? That's right. <laughs> while I play. Yeah, that's, it, it, it's, <laughs> that's really what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm going to now perform, and you can just do whatever you want with that. Uh but occasionally we have those people come to the bridge and they're not used to that and everyone's singing their lungs out and they're all looking over at this white guy like, why is he just 
staring into space like has he had a stroke or is it you know what's wrong with this poor individual you know does he is he like a, a satanic person is that why he just hates jesus is that's why you know because just why it's would you pretty not? rude yeah wow. yeah and uh jed bless him will will point directly <laughs> from the in-between songs yeah. point at that white person and say you sing louder now <laughs> and if you enjoy it tell your face you know well, so, my, my favorite Jed technique on that is when it funnels, because yeah, it'll be, right. all right, everybody clap your hands. All yeah. right, a few folks aren't giving their hands, they'll clap those hands. You, on the front row in the blue shirt, <laughs> clap your hands. That's right. <laughs> and right. he gave you a warning. That's You're right. Everybody. Yeah, you were you told. You could have avoided this. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, the, the part of it is the way the song is led, as well as the lyrics that you're hearing there, of, of really driving towards a buy-in on this yeah. thing of this is for you this is this is not written for some other audience this is you this i wrote this song for you to be singing here i think that has a lot to do with it uh when i hear this song though i think specifically and we'll we'll change her name bless her heart to to protect her anonymity but uh there's a gal uh we'll, let's call her ann and um and I think it's fair to say of all the ladies that we've worked with had the worst life of any of them. I mean, there may be several that are close, but uh, multiple instances of uh, sexual assault early on in her life uh, that led to a life of addiction. And uh, at one point she was so addicted, they actually put her in a mental home because they thought she had just gone nuts from from. so severe was the addiction uh that led to a life of prostitution because that's how you deal with the addiction uh and uh then she ended up uh, contracting aids off of that this gal i mean you just that's as bad a story as you you could imagine um got into some really amazing 12-step programs got an amazing sponsor that she worked with started going to church and she went after joy as hard as any human being I've ever known in my life. I mean, she went and grabbed. And it, the way that she viewed her Christian life was like, I have been held down by all this for so long. I didn't have a childhood. I didn't have anything. I remember once uh, uh, Jane and I took her to eat in a nice little area uh, near us. And it's sort of a suburban kind of area. And they had this fountain that's like built into the sidewalk. So like, you know, it was like raised up off the sidewalk slightly, but it was kind of part of the sidewalk and whatnot. And I remember her taking off these purple shoes that had glitter in them. You got to have your purple glitter shoes. So. <laughs> Bless her. And, and running barefoot through this fountain, you know, which is something that is often done, but by three-year-olds. Not that, yeah. It's like, if you asked her as I did, <laughs> Well, hey, so what are we doing here? If you ask her, she said, I didn't get to do this when I when I'm a kid, so I'm doing it now. Sure. And if you don't like it, too bad, because I'm getting it back, you know, and I'm enjoying it now and making up for lost time. And everything about her life was that way. And this was by far her favorite song of all time. Bless her heart. She uh, ended up having an aneurysm and she passed away. And she just left a huge impact on us, you know, and just we always, you know, every time we hear the song, of course, we think of her. But for her, um, 
it it was, as you said, a song that she would sing to herself and constantly remind herself and use it as a tool to not um, uh, to not fall back into that despair and really be fiercely determined to have a life of joy. That's fantastic. Um, and really, one of the reasons we wanted to do this particular album first, we have plans to uh, put more stuff on these streaming services. We want you guys to be able to, to access this. We do that piece by piece. But we wanted to start with Live at the Bridge Worship because uh, folks like Anne, who she is, she is a, a shining example, but by no means an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week we are there at the bridge. Every week when these songs are recorded, these are uh, amazing people who are making this service go. It's not the fact that we as the staff are amazing that makes this service go. Jed's an incredibly talented songwriter. Glenn has uh, you know, a wealth of experience and kind of ninja level skills when it comes to ministry. But all of that is kind of forged in the cauldron of trying to communicate this to the kind of people who are in the audience. And uh, that really keeps all of us and that makes us be better on a weekly thing. And we love being in that room and we've invited um, maybe that hosting people, be that just people like the podcast who've come and visited us, who've gotten to be at the bridge. It's an amazing experience. And we, we wish every one of you could be there with us every week, but we don't have that kind of room in the basement. So we, uh, we hope this is the next best thing to you being there, participating in that and getting a lot of that joy and bringing that for yourself. So we're going to take you out with God Don't Let Me Quit. We'll be back next week with a regular episode, so you can email us questions at saythatpodcast.gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Was I supposed to do an outro? Because I didn't really think of one. God, so let me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength. Unless you give me it God, so let me go Selling out on who I am When you were gone before your own God, so let me think I'm not welcome where
Jesus, I don't have the strength unless you get me